Um, is it recording now? It is. Oh. It is a special Christmas edition Dumb Christian, and I have with me my mother. Wait no, for it. <laughs> no relation. Mom, why don't you... Uh, my mother, no relation? Okay, so take two, <laughs> right? This is the mom. Yeah, my mom. We're going to take some time this morning to talk about what it must have been like to be a part of Jesus's family. Uh, the Bible might get a little bit real, we might get a little bit colorful, so buckle up and welcome to Dumb Christian. Um, Mom, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? What do you do with your life? What do you like? Oh gosh, well first of all, I prefer Vegas weather. Um, it, it, we're in Iowa taping this um, together for actually to bring our family together for the mm -hmm. first time since COVID. Oh, so, yeah. And Emily's first time meeting the baby, who is now two and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So um, right now, it's I'm having a hard time thinking beyond this precious moment. Well, so you're a pharmacist. You. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a pharmacy, I'm a program manager now, so um, not quite the drug dealer I used to be. But you're pretty passionate about like the VA and oh my gosh yeah I serve veterans every day yeah I see the price of freedom every day and it's mm. a it, it's a privilege to work there yeah yeah um, but you know so even growing up in a split family you took us to church every Sunday um, you made sure that um, Jesus and scripture was a part of our lives and you made sure that that was an important aspect of raising us yeah so interesting, so split family meeting, I was raised my boys as a single parent, um, and you were raised, for the most part, f through me, evangelical free. Right. Um, and I remember, I mean, just we're throwing stuff out there, see what sticks, but I remember a really defining moment was, I, I knew um, it was important and essential to continue my walk and to mm -hmm. raise you boys in the church and had really found a church family um, at um, Cedar Hills, Evangelical Free or Chef. Um, and I knew that's where we belonged. But I, re I remember we were famously late. And oh, yeah. I, oh God, it was awful. I was the mom dragging the little kids in. And we weren't quiet either. You know, you were pretty well behaved. Oh, okay. Okay, Nehemiah, okay, so we'll get to him later. <laughs> he was not the Jesus of this family. He was, he was Simon or whoever went <laughs> Jesus' that. brother. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the one that... Uh, so we were the ones that were famously late, and I remember the pastor saying to me once about always... He said something um, kind of scolding about that I could make more of an effort to get to church on time. Really? And that crushed me. Yeah. That, I mean that, and so we, honestly, the next couple weeks, if I pulled into that parking lot and it was after 9.30, I, I would cry and then I would go home. And I remember for a couple of weeks struggling. And then all of a sudden, one afternoon, I saw him pull up to the apartment, we were in J Street. The pastor. The pastor, mm -hmm. and I, it was just a random afternoon, and he came to the house, and he sat down and he said, I just want to apologize. He had watched an episode of, uh, or he was listening to um, a 
show on Christian radio about single parents. Mm. And he said, I never really understood um, what a struggle and a hardship it must be for you. And he wow. just wanted to apologize. And I, that completely turned things around for me. I, I, I felt empowered to make more of an effort. Still didn't mean we were there on time on a regular basis, but that really turned things around for me because I really felt shamed. Right. And, um, and, that, and that felt good. So that, just that encouragement and that recognition of what a struggle it was for me and what the effort was and that it was still welcome was huge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was huge. Okay, so you raised us in the church and Jesus was a significant part of your personal life. And we had a conversation since I've started Dumb Christian. You said, why don't we sit down and have a conversation about what it must have been like for Mary to be Jesus's mom. And then, like you said, to have a whole family after Jesus on top, like this whole spectrum of hats that Mary must have worn. Well, first of all, out of the gate, she knew it was something special. was Jesus the perfect child? I mean, really, we, the only thing we heard about is the struggle was when he went, uh, he, he went to the temple, right? Was he 13? 12, yeah. Or 12, 13. And so that's the first real, um, maybe difficult exchange we read about. So, um, but was there others? I mean, was he, was he the perfect child? I mean, did, did he sleep through the night? Right, did like he the, always have a perfectly formed diaper? Did, you know what I mean? And the Christmas carol, right, that says, like, no crying he made. Come on. He's a baby. He's screaming his head Well, off, right? you know, he was the son of God. So, um, so you kind of wonder what that experience was yeah. um, to have that child and then suddenly have more. Because we know there was, we know there was Joseph, and then another one that was kind of Joseph, and then Simon. There were sisters, but we don't know their names, do we? I don't think so. Joanna, maybe, but I know James was was a brother. Okay. Um, yeah, he did have. We know he had several brothers because we're told that they made fun of him. They're like, "Hey, why don't you go show off your magic powers during the festival?" And it says that he had brothers who gave him a hard time. So yeah, he had some younger brothers. So it's a couple things, I guess. Um, you know, so did, did, I assume she never had to, you know, pull out the switch for Jesus. <laughs> she, you know, he, he probably never gave her a hard time. And then I wonder what it was like for her to suddenly experience maybe no. You know, oh. little ones saying no or being a little defiant, or not letting her sleep through the night. The ones after Jesus. Oh, the ones after Jesus. Yeah. And then for Jesus to hear things like, that he'd never heard before. Like, you know, um, I don't know, I'm gonna tell your father. Right, wait till uh, your I brought, dad gets home. Uh, I brought you into this world, you know? <laughs> you think Joseph, you think, so you wonder like, Jesus is like hearing things for the first time, because certainly he was a perfect child. He never heard things like this. So, and for her to suddenly have gone from the, per, potentially the perfect child to having other children that just completely was night and day. Kind of like you and Nehemiah. I mean, okay. you were really a responsible child. And Nehemiah just completely, you know, got stuck in the washing machine. And yeah, I mean, just, you yeah. know, skate, 
warden off the roof. I mean, you know, he, he just like a whole new meeting. Right. And, and it was completely different. And um, huh. so not, not only once was she willing to do that again, she was willing to do it at least another five or six times. Right. That is a really interesting thought. Like, so sometimes I think, you know, Jesus was fully human, fully God, fully human. But I think his human part, so it says, the Bible says that he grew in favor with God and men, right? So I, I think, not that he disobeyed, but I think he probably had to learn, you know, don't talk back. Don't, I, I, that's just my imagination. Well, so what did he know? What knowledge did he have of who he was? Right. Yeah. As a two-year-old, though, like, you know, I don't know. Well, you're right. I mean, I don't know. So <laughs> if he grew into favor, did he also grow into wisdom of who he was? Right. Um, you know, or did, you know, God give Mary a break and say, thanks for doing this for me. I'll make it easy on you. You know, it's up to you if you're going to have more. You're doing this for me, so <laughs> I'll, yeah. Right. Well, that's funny. Uh, so, I mean... <clears throat> When you think about, so let's just think Mary and Jesus before the other kids come into the picture. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are your thoughts on how that must have been for her? And Well, you know, because certainly a child out of wedlock was ostracized. Yeah. So, and, you know, Joseph had some splaining to do. But, you know, did they just stay away and hopefully people didn't keep count on the calendar you know, right. um, so I don't know. They, you know, they probably struggled with, you know, they, they knew it was something special. They knew it was of God. What could they honestly tell people? Oh, yeah. And so they just had to deal with what they had to deal with and the social stigma and, and everything that went and evolved around that, knowing that in time. You Okay, so earlier you, you were saying something about I mean, because there was some stigma about being a single mom, right? I mean, because obviously the pastor didn't have a real good perspective on mm -hmm. single parenting. So there were some stigmas around that. And you're re referring to the stigma around a child out of wedlock. Um, but if Jesus was like this perfect child, like, how does that, how, in your imagination, obviously we don't know what Israel was like 2,000 years ago, but, you know, this like, oh, this bastard child, and yet... He's this perfect angel, right? Like, how do you, that seems like a weird. Well, so, I, yeah, were they shielded from some of that stigma? Um, but the Bible alludes to it, so mm -hmm. there must have been something. Right. Um, you know, was it a forgiving society? And, and, and once the baby was born and accepted and loved, um, you know, I, I don't know that we hear that much more about it to really know. Um, it would be interesting though to have more of those pieces. But again, we that we can just, things we can talk about and suppose yeah. because the focus of the, the New Testament certainly is on Jesus' teaching. But you know, there's a lot to be said about Mary. I, I was raised in the Catholic Church mm -hmm. and Mary, the mother of God was a big deal. Yeah, I don't know that um, Christian churches put the emphasis on her like they did in the Catholic Church. I mean, we had the month of May, we had May Day, which honored Mary. We, I, the Catholic school I went to in eighth grade, we even had on May Day, 
um, the 1st of May. We even had um, a queen of the court and her court. So in eighth grade, we, so we would vote as a class and have um, the May Queen, which okay. was to honor Mary, right? And then she would have her court, which were like the runners up. Oh, okay. And then, so when we had this May Day Mass of celebration for the school, um, the, the, that special person would carry the crown and then her little court would follow. Mm -hmm. So it was probably more of a, well, not, you know, the focus probably wasn't where it was supposed to be, but we had this really big deal around Mary. Do you still have kind of that perspective and attitude towards her that she's a really big deal? Um, yes, because I'm a mother. Mm. And a mother's a really big deal, okay? That's true. Um, you know, I know the Bible doesn't talk a lot about moms. Um, I want to say in the book of Timothy, I think there was a... Paul acknowledged oh, Timothy's yeah. mom and grandma. Yeah. Um, I don't think called them by name, but I mean, there was a recognition of the value in being raised. I mean, certainly we hear a lot about um, the relationships between mother and, and mother-in-law. I mean, there's certain relationships that are honored in the Bible. And we hear a lot, you know, about that and the commitment and the dedication. But I don't think they, the Christian church emphasizes enough about the role of Mary. It's just assumed. And, you know, it's talked about when we sit around and we tell the Christmas story, mm -hmm. you know. But we don't talk about that too much because what does that really mean? And I think it's one thing they don't want to have to explain to children. You know, that's such a good point, though, because, I mean, from what I understand about the family dynamic in that day, right, dad is out in the field, dad is working hard, sun up, sun down, mending fences, pasturing the flocks and fields, and mom is raising the children. Mary, I think, in essence, taught Jesus how to be a good man. Like... I mean, from, from the way I see Jesus, I think he, he did have to learn some things, and Mary was the one who taught him those things. So there's also this thing in Scripture that we see a few times where it says Jesus did something or somebody said something about Jesus, and Mary treasured it in her heart. Does that aspect of motherhood... How does that resonate with you? Okay, so there are still moments that just warm my heart or that I think back on. You know, we were just talking about these memory boxes, right? That I still have. Okay. And well, and the, and the joke was periodically I'll open them up if I just need a good cry. And what that just means is there are times I'm missing you or my life's not feeling complete because as mothers, children complete us. Um, yeah. So periodically I'll go through these and there'll be a craft you made in first grade or a handprint, you know, mm -hmm. and then, or, you know, I still have these little cigar boxes and in it are things that were current events from the day you were born. Yeah. So a newspaper. Um, I think there are a few like little Star Wars things in mm -hmm. yours. Mm -hmm. 
uh, you know, things like that. And they just, they just take me back and they remind me that something in my life was good. And then I have a good cry. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not like I'm going through them because I'm grasping for something. It's just periodically, I just need that. There's something value about this thing that you oh, treasure in yeah, your yeah, heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I had I posted on Facebook a couple weeks ago, we were decorating our tree. And I, it was, I caught myself off guard and because I caught myself putting up a decoration that Nehemiah made in third grade. And it included his picture mm -hmm. on a little ornament. And then I was also at the same time hanging an ornament that had Esme's footprint and it was like a, a clay, dried clay thing and a footprint and it was painted and it has Esme's footprint in it. Your granddaughter. Oh my gosh. And all of a sudden to be putting up those things side next by to each side. Other. Yeah. Um, was whole next level. Yeah. Whole next level mom. Um, to, to have, first of all, be putting that up and just cherishing, oh my, oh, cherishing the thought that the teacher made an effort to do that. And then mm -hmm. I still have that today. Mm -hmm. It was, it, it was dated 1991. And, um, but then also to see that little footprint and think, oh my, my baby has a baby, mm -hmm. a whole new world. <laughs> so then I think. You know, Jesus grows up, he gets, so when he's 12, he does leave and they they can't find him for like three days and Mary turns to Joseph and says, our child is gone. And Joseph says, it's not mine, right? He's, you deal with him. Yeah. You bring it up with the dad, the <laughs> right. real dad, right? You have an issue with right. this child. Right. But then Jesus grows up and he becomes a man and he decides what he's going to do with his life. I mean, I, you know, I don't know that Mary is privy to all of Jesus's purposes and plans that the father has for him. So she sees him start, I don't know if ministry is the right word, but he, he becomes a teacher and people want to learn from him. Like what, what is in your wildest imagination? What does that mean for her? So we always want what's best. And, you know, it's not like we can read what's going on in Facebook. It's going to be a lot of word of mouth. And what's the word of mouth that she's seeing or hearing and the types of things she may encounter? So we don't know right. how disconnected she is from this point in his life. And is she just hearing things? She knows he has a purpose. What? But did she know the purpose was this? And what were the next steps? But, you know, is he, you know, is he, is he eating enough vegetables? Is he got nice clothes? Is he, you know, the things moms worry about, right? Is he getting a good education? Does he have a good roof over his head? But, you know, the things she might be hearing is, mm -hmm. you know, the, the things that spread the fastest are the negatives. Right. So are people not accepting my child? Are people threatening about my child? Is the government against my child. I mean, you know, you think about, you know, your child potentially not being accepted, not being loved, being in harm's way. I mean, that would have crushed me. Matter of fact, I would have want to, you know, gone, taken Jesus, brought him back to my home and make sure he's safe. Mm -hmm. So even at 33, I mean, you guys are 40 and 37, 37. 
Oh my God, I have a 40 year old. So you guys are, even at that age, I worry about my babies. Yeah. And I worry about, you know, the things you may or may not have and do you have enough? And um, even though I'm reassured every time I see you, those things, you know, I'm a mom, I still worry. And um, so I don't know. I, I, I would think that in the day and age where you don't have social media, the things she does hear and potentially see, even if miraculous, they, she would still struggle. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if she fully knew what the end result was going to be. Right. Because, you know, that moment when, and maybe we'll get to this, but, you know, in his final days, when you knew things were not good, mm-hmm. and potentially someone was going to hurt your baby, because even at 33, that's her baby. Um, to, to go through that and I guess allow it. Yeah. Just allow it to happen and not go and just grab him and bring him back to your house. You know, whatever the impulse of the mother must be, but to just allow it. And then to kind of see the writing on the wall. And then that moment at the cross. Mm-hmm. I could not fathom that. You know, you hear a lot about mothers, uh, parents losing children. I I never experienced that. I mean, I experienced broken legs, stitches, um, illness, but I never experienced a child really ill or being up against the reality that I was going to lose my child. Right. Um, and what she must have felt and the heartbreak at that moment. And keep in mind, Jesus also felt heartbreak at that moment um, because he he knew how much his mother was suffering. Mm. And, you know, the fact that he told his brother to take care of her. But that intense, and I mean, seeing your child die basically is what it is. And yeah. um, how, what a horror and horrible that must have been. And what she knew at that point, what might happen next if, he had promised her mom in three days, mm-hmm. or mom this, or mom that, or just whatever. But still, even maybe knowing something, right. just to experience seeing your child in such intense pain, and knowing that the result is death, mm-hmm. I just can't imagine it. Something I have not had to experience. Yeah, and but ultimately, right, like that was the whole purpose for Jesus to go on the cross. So like when... When Jesus is born and they take him to the temple to get circumcised, I think it's Simeon is the high priest or he's a priest. And he says he is going to be the peace of nations, but it will pierce you. Right. And so like she's getting this preparation. It's 33 years down the road, but it's like for Jesus to accomplish his mission is going to devastate you as mother. Okay. So first of all, what was Mary promised? So what mm. was, okay, what did the angels or, you know, what did, what was she told? Do you remember? What was, what was it that she was told when she was, babe, the, Jesus was conceived? I don't, I mean, specifically, I, I mean, like, did, I mean, Hosanna in the highest, I mean, I'm trying to think of what the angels well, sang so, to who? They sang to the shepherds. I think something appeared to Joseph and assured him things would be fine. Go ahead and don't. So I think the the angel says, you are favored among women, 
and you will be with child. I don't know that she's necessarily given like a mission statement or a contract. These are going to be the things that you walk through. You know, like I think it was he's going to be Emmanuel. He's going to be the Messiah. But I don't know that she was given much details or promises or guarantees about how what that was going to look like. Okay, so was was Simeon's words really the first mission statement? Right. So, I mean, what did she have along the way to maybe clue her in? Mm-hmm. Did she have the perfect child? Did she hold on to Simeon's words? Did she, was there something else that was, you know, we know when Jesus came back and they were upset because where have you been? Right. And he said, I'm doing my father's work, mm-hmm. right? So did she get that? Right. Did she, what did that really mean to her? Was she still mad? Did he still, so, did he still get grounded for three weeks? <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, okay, so then you had mentioned like what it must have been like for Mary to mother the other sons. And she's like dealing with James and the other brothers and like, cut that out. Don't make me turn this caravan around. Where's your brother Jesus? And she's already like, feeding, yeah, yeah. Right? Why can't you be like Jesus? <laughs> oh, yeah. They. So here's, I think, maybe kind of where I would like us to land is the whole point of us having this conversation is that Christmas is right around the corner. And Christmas is the celebration of the arrival of the one who's going to save the world, Jesus Christ. And out of everyone, God the guy who created the universe connects with Mary and says, I want you to be mother of the Messiah. So Jesus had to be born to be the, have that shared experience with us. Mm -hmm, mm So in being a mother, I mean, we all like to think that we're raising something really special. Mm. And it's, you know, being a mother's a precious thing. And, you know, I'm going to raise the next president. Uh, my son's going to be the, a doctor. My, you know, we all aspire to do wonderful things with this child. And so I... Did she know? Yeah. You know, Mary, did you know? Right. That song, that's right. that's one of the most, you got to play that song. That's one of the most powerful songs that I love at Christmas time yeah. is Mary, did you know? And what did she know and when? Um, she wasn't spared the human experience. Right. She felt the pain of childbirth. Mm-hmm. Um, she felt heartache along the way we know. And it wasn't, you know, a lot of details, but she wasn't spared the human experience. She was able to have other children. I mean, it's not like her womb is, was destroyed from the experience. She, she was able to go on and, and fulfill having a, a larger family. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know a lot about um, the experiences of that childhood. And, um, but he went on to have relationships with his siblings as well. Mm -hmm. And he, his heart broke for her on those final days. Yeah. 
So Mary was able to, what did Mary know? Mary, did you know? Um, did, when did she know she was really fulfilling that, that purpose? Mm. And was it not until it was revealed after he rose? And, yeah. and you know, sometimes it can feel like, when will you know if you did it right? Wow. Okay, no, because with you kids, um, you know, like when you'd have struggles or you needed money and, you know, I mean, through the 20s and, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I can't believe he's doing this or I got to keep my mouth shut and I wouldn't have done that. And, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he's like, so you, you fret and you worry about your kids. And sometimes you may say things you regret or you just have to <laughs> kind of like slip something in to really let them know how you feel. Right. But when did she really know that she kind of got it right? Mm-hmm. And was it really her? I think she deserves some of the credit, but um, when do you really know as a mom? And when did she really know that if this was going to be something, not just something special, but a fulfillment of the scripture and that she did a pretty good, pretty good job in the end? Yeah. Yeah. To be a mom that God wanted to use and and to have done a pretty dang good job. Yeah. Well, mom, I think you did a pretty dang good job. Uh, Well, thank you, (laughs) thank you. But I, I, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be a mom if I didn't tell a really fun Christmas story. Okay. On you. So we were. I had graduated from uh, pharmacy school. Um, We we went out and we did our thing on the res. And we came back and I was working for the VA and it was really the first big Christmas where, and I had money. I mean, we, we lived on, you know, we were on welfare and, you know, so anyway, so I was back. And even when we lived on the res, the, you know, the, the military pay and all that kind of stuff was kind of limited. But when I came back and we were in Des Moines, mm-hmm. uh, not too many blocks from here, but first big Christmas. So I went all out in what I got you guys. You got snowboards, you got snowboard outfits, you got, I mean, I went all out because finally I had money. And and you guys went without for so long. I mean, you know, there was, there was a Christmas where pretty much all you had was, and it was special though, was what I could get with food stamps. Christmas Captain Crunch. Oh my God, they never got sugared cereal. You got Christmas Pepsi, you just got a six pack mm-hmm. and it had like Santa on it. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a real, you know what I said? You really thought that was, that was a great Christmas when you got stuff like that. But here I finally had real money and I was really just going crazy. And they, you can't interrupt me because this is my story to tell. So each boy got, you know, you, traditionally you got to open one gift on Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. <laughs> So, and I, for, I, I forgot that I should not, I should, I should tell you which ones to choose. And so you each got to choose one. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Okay. So <laughs> jo- what, jo- what Jonathan chose, and they didn't know this, right? It wasn't planned this way, but this was like so typical of him and his brother. So Jonathan opens up his big gift, which 
was a video. Was it called a camcorder? What yeah, was it? Camcorder, yeah, camcorder. I mean, and that started just. It may have been what started you I think on the Okay. Yeah. You had this, and it was top of the line video cam recorder. And now Nehemiah is really excited, right? Right. right. <laughs> oh, to see what his brother got, right? Because this is such a strong tradition. Now, so what does Nehemiah open but a black light? A light bulb. Light bulb. Just a bulb. <laughs> it's a cool light bulb. Oh, well, it's what he wanted. But he yeah. wanted a black light light bulb for some, some things in his rooms. And so that was one of the gifts I knew he wanted. But to say... To see you open, and it was your best gift. Right. I should have, I should have planned this. And he opens this light bulb. He was instantly depressed. Yep. And forget Christmas. He went straight to bed. <laughs> I remember the light bulb. Come oh on. my god! It was just, it was just classic. And I can't. He must have cried himself to sleep. I got to ask him. <laughs> he must have cried himself to sleep because it was just like, oh gosh, yeah. I did not. I did not plan this well, but honestly, I couldn't have planned it better for a great story to right, today. Right, <laughs> right. Mom, thank you for sharing your thoughts on Mary and motherhood and Jesus, especially as we look at Christmas approaching. I love you. I love you too, honey. And keep in, thank you, keep in mind, I don't like winters in Iowa, so the fact that I'm here, um, I also just got over COVID and with the two hour difference, I'm not getting out of my pajamas getting out of bed and getting dressed for anybody right now and so it's, it's saturday morning and you get what you get we we'll love you guys we'll catch you later